And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction of prepositions. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. And comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Jackson Beck stars as private investigator Philo Vance from 1948. Then Eve Arden stars in her signature role of Connie Brooks, 10th grade English teacher of Madison High School on Our Miss Brooks. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hello, Carl. Good to be here. How you doing? Thank you. I'm great. All righty. So, uh, yeah, what's happening in the world of Hollywood? Well, I think the big story of the week is that Will Ferrell pulls out of the Ronald Reagan yes, movie. I yes. don't know if you heard about that yes, public outcry yeah. from not only Reagan supporters, but his family, his daughters. Sure. Um, this is just days after Variety reported that he will play Ronald Reagan in a new comedy. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. Um he was not only attached to it as the lead actor, but also as a producer. Um, and people voiced criticism, criticism following the announcement that it will focus on him succumbing to Alzheimer's-induced dementia. And honestly, there's nothing funny about it. Um, I don't know how you can put a comedic twist on it. And just the choice of Will Ferrell in and of itself, he just is funny. And it's an unusual choice for such a serious topic. All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. Sure. All right. Time now for Philo Vance, detective created by S.S. Van Dyne. Philo Vance was quite popular in books, movies, and on radio. He was portrayed as a stylish, very intelligent, and cultured private detective, an Americanized Sherlock Holmes working out of New York. In the movies, William Powell, Warren William, and Basil Rathbone played Vance. On radio, he was voiced by Jose Ferrer and Jackson Beck. Not that Vance needed any help solving a crime. He did work closely, though, with his secretary and right-hand woman, Ellen Deering, and his pal, John Markham, New York County District Attorney. We have a great episode for you now. This is going back to a broadcast date of September 28, 1948. It's called The Argus Murder Case. Here's Jackson Beck as Philo Vance. Well, Markham, it certainly seems strange being with you in the middle of the night when we haven't been working on a murder. Well, even district attorneys take some time off, Vance. And here's your apartment house. That it is. Well, thanks for taking Ellen home and for dropping me. No trouble at all, Vance. I'll phone you tomorrow if anything interesting happens. I'll be waiting. Good night, Markham. Meet you at a murder. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Vance? Yes, I'm Vance. I've been waiting here in front of your house for hours. Mr. Vance, I'm Edgar Walters. I must talk to you. It's, it's about my wife. She's missing. There's nothing I can do about that tonight. 
Not at this hour. But you've got to do something, Mr. Vance. I'm desperate. You know that gambling ship that's anchored offshore? Yes, I know about it. Why? Well, my wife went out there this evening to gamble with Lucky Saunders. He owns the ship. She can't help gambling. She... she has to. Cards, roulette, horses. It doesn't make any difference. There are people like that. But as long as you know where she is, Mr. Waters... I know where she was, Vance. But all gambling stops on board at 2 a.m. And it's almost 4 now. She should have been home an hour ago. I, I know something has happened to her. And you want me to find out what, if anything? You're a private investigator, Vance. And I'll pay you well. I'll go upstairs and change my clothes. Be on my way in half an hour. Here's my card, Vance. Call me as soon as you find out anything, will you? And thank you. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome, Mr. Walters. I only hope I give you a real reason for thanking me before long. Your deal, Mrs. Walters? Your cut, Mr. Saunders. How much did I owe you before we started this evening's session, Mr. Saunders? Uh... Twelve thousand. And now I owe you three thousand. It's time to quit, isn't it? I have a stateroom fixed for you, Mrs. Walters. We could go on with the game in the morning. Uh Uh-uh. Lady Luck's smiling at me right now. Tomorrow she might be laughing out loud. One cut, double or nothing. For, uh, three thousand? That's right. If I win, you join your friends, Mr. and Mrs. Henderson. And leave, huh? Oh, if I win, I'll stay here on board. There are no more water taxis to shore. I sent the last one off an hour ago. The Hendersons don't mind spending the night aboard ship. You're cut, Mr. Saunders. <clears throat> As you say. There we are. Nine of diamonds. And mine's the Queen of Clubs. That makes six thousand. Queen of Clubs again. That's the third time you've picked that queen, Mrs. Walters. I suggest we quit. You won uh, 6000 I have it here in my safe. I'll get it for you. Maybe you won't have to get me anything. Or 12000 Double or nothing, Mr. Saunders. One cut? One cut. They say never fight the cards, but there is also a law of averages to be taken into consideration. You're cut first. 12000 or nothing. You are a gambler, aren't you? Very well. My cut. The... Queen of Clubs. Uh, why, yes... You seem surprised. You shouldn't be. You've had a strange affinity for that card since we started. Perhaps we'll discuss that a bit after I've cut. There. Oh, Jack of Diamonds. You win 12,000. Once more. Hardly. You want the cash now? I think so. Then in the morning with my friends, Mr. and Mrs. Henderson, as bodyguards, I'll leave the ship. Really, Mrs. Walters? Would you like to cut double or nothing on that, too? It's almost five o'clock, Ace. Do you think she's still playing? Oh, she hasn't come to a stateroom, has she? Lucky Saunders told me he had the one next to this fixed for her. She'll be here as soon as she wins enough. Edith Walters mustn't win. She mustn't. When she plays with Lucky Saunders, the weather's clear and the track fast. But if she does win, maybe she'll take care of the markers I've been holding. She's in my book for 10,000 she dropped on the horses. You don't generally let anyone get into you for that much, Ace. You know, I think that... Uh Uh-uh, honey. You're the one I married to, and I like it that way. There's nothing between her and me. I suppose we just forget all this and go to bed. I've got to know whether she won or not. 
I've got to. In the morning. Comes the morning, we'll both find out. Go ahead to sleep if you want to. I'm waiting up until I hear her come in. And if she won tonight, I'm going to get that money she owes you. If she lost... Yes, honey. What if she finished out of the money? (laughs) And I'm going to fall asleep laughing. Mary Henderson. Wait a minute. What do you want? You mean, what do we both want? Me and this gun. Oh. Same answer, though. We both want you. You're being a little dramatic, aren't you, Mary? Maybe. How much did you lose to Saunders? I don't know that it's any of your business, but I didn't lose. Mm. That's what I was afraid of. You know, I don't like you, Edith. I gathered that quite some time ago. I liked you more when I first met you. I despised you then. I was praying you'd lose to Lucky Saunders tonight. Sorry to disappoint you. I still don't know any reason for that gun. I'll explain. It's very simple. There are no boats leaving for shore. And certainly none coming out from shore for the next couple of hours. We're practically alone on this ship. You and I, my husband, and Lucky Saunders. So? So you've got no means of either getting off or getting help. And I wanted to announce to you personally that you'll never leave this ship alive. You've lost sight of one thing, haven't you, Mary? My husband knows I came out here. Your husband thinks you came out here. Nobody knows except my husband, Lucky Saunders and I. And I'm sure none of us will ever remember seeing you on board. You're... You're going to kill me? Maybe. I'm going to be dead, I can tell you that. I... You're afraid, aren't you? I was afraid, too. I've been afraid for months. Afraid I'd lose my husband to you. But I won't now. There'll be no you around to lose him to. You forget there's a radio room on board right next door. I can send a message for help, and I'm going to right now. Stop. Edith, stop. (laughs) One of these switches turns on the microphone. One of them does. It it must be this one. It's got to be... Anybody, anybody who can hear me anywhere, get in touch with the police. I'm going to be murdered. Listen, my name is Edith Walters. I'm on board the gambling ship Argus. Please, if anybody hears this, get get in touch with the police. Tell them to come out here. Tell them to hurry. They're coming in for me now. Tell them to hurry. Hurry before... It's too late. This is Edith Walters. Call the police. <laughs> Hello? Markham, this is Vance. I didn't wake you up, did I? No, no, you didn't. As a matter of fact... I've been trying to reach you on the telephone for ten minutes. Your line's been busy. I've been trying to get you, Vance. But it's six o'clock in the morning. What do you want me for? I've tried for two hours to get some sort of transportation so I could get out to the gambling ship Argus. I can't find a thing at this hour. I'm going to need a police launch. What do you want to get out to the Argus for? To look for a woman named Edith Walters. Her husband... Edith Walters? She's the reason I've been trying to reach you, Vance. A half hour ago, an amateur radio operator picked up a call for help from Edith Walters. She was screaming she was about to be murdered, and the call was cut off in the middle of a sentence. We've got to do something, Markham. How soon can you meet me? I'm down at the docks now. Well, Sergeant Heath is picking me up. I'll be there in ten minutes. A police launch has already been ordered. Pick up Edgar Walters on the way. He's at the Buckingham Apartments. 
I'll be waiting for you, Markham, at the foot of the docks to get to the bottom of this mystery. Take it easy, Walters. We'll be out at the gambling ship very shortly now. I know, Vance. It's just that I'm afraid of what we'll find when we do get there. Vance, we're a little bit lost. This fog is so heavy, the launch pilot says he can't see a thing. We're going by compass, but we don't know exactly where the Argus is anchored. Oh, I know, Mr. Markham. It's exactly two miles along the coastline from the dock, and we round a blinker light and head due east into the ocean. I was out there only the other night with my wife, and that's how we got there. Well, that's fine, Walters. Thanks. I'll tell the pilot. Uh, Sergeant Heath. Don't take it so hard, Walters. Things may not be as bad as you imagine. No. No, maybe they aren't. All I'm sure of is that they couldn't be any worse. There's the Argus Vance. Thanks again for those directions, Mr. Walters. Don't forget it, Mr. Markham. Let's worry about my wife. I'll try to find her for you, Mr. Walters, believe me. Let Heath and his men search the ship and give me a half hour to question anybody on board. And I promise you, if Mrs. Walters ever arrived on the Argus, I'll have news for you. You're going to use the master's cabin as an office vance? Temporarily, Markham. What luck has Sergeant Heath had? None at all. He's had men searching this ship for a half hour. They can't find Mrs. Walter's body, and they can't even find any evidence that she ever was aboard. This is really a case, Vance. Yes, I know. I'd like to see the owner of this ship, Markham. He's waiting outside. In fact, I'll see him and Mr. and Mrs. Henderson together. All right, I'll tell them right now, Vance. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Henderson and Mr. Saunders, will you come in here, please? Yes, of yes, course. Yes, Glad to come in. Please sit down and make yourselves comfortable. What do you want with us, Vance? I'm not quite sure. You say you haven't seen Mrs. Walters in two days, that she was not aboard this ship last night? That's right. Mr. Saunders, how do you account for the radio message that was picked up and relayed to the police? I've got no idea how, why, or from where it was sent. The message did say it came from the Argus. <laughs> and we do have a radio sending set aboard. But there's no way in the world to prove it came from here. No, there isn't. Mrs. Henderson, your story, I take it, is the same as Mr. Saunders? Not at all. I beg your pardon? He said he hadn't seen Edith Walters in two days. I haven't seen her in a week. I see. And you, Mr. Henderson? I was supposed to meet her at the track yesterday afternoon, but she never got there. That proves nothing one way or another. Mr. Saunders, how long have you been operating this gambling ship in these waters? Uh, about a month. It's all very legal, Vance. That's a matter of opinion. It's legal. Well, let's say it's within the law. <laughs> it's outside the state's jurisdiction, so state laws do not apply to it. Has the ship always been anchored in just this spot? No, no. We move it around every night. A few miles up or down the coastline. Just to uh, prevent any possible hijacking. We move it every night. But we keep it outside state limits every time we do. I understand. They call you lucky, don't they, Mr. Saunders? Well, most gamblers are called lucky, Mr. Vance. I've got an idea, though, that your name isn't complete. Offhand, despite the fact that we can find no evidence that Mrs. Walters was here, and certainly none that points to your having murdered her, I'd say your name should be lucky up to now. 
This is District Attorney Markham. The Argus murder case started when Edgar Walters came to Philo Vance, asking him to help find Walters' wife. She had gone out to a gambling ship, the Argus, but nothing had been heard from her for several hours. Then, an amateur radio operator relayed a frantic message from Mrs. Walters to the police, and it sent Vance, Sergeant Heath, and me, along with Mr. Walters, out to the Argus. There we met Lucky Saunders, owner of the ship, and Mr. and Mrs. Henderson, both of whom knew Mrs. Walters, and both of whom deny she was ever on board. It was a short... Hey, Mr. Vance. Oh, yes, Sergeant Heath. I was just on deck getting a little air. What have you found? I haven't found a thing. No trace of Mrs. Walters anywhere on board, but I'm sure that dame was on board this boat, Vance, and that she was murdered. Only how do we prove it? We don't. We can't unless we find the body. And if she were murdered and the body thrown overboard, which is probably what happened, if she were murdered, we'll never find it. Hey, I never heard you so pessimistic before, Vance. Never had more reason to be, Heath. I'm going ashore to check over my facts, and I'm taking Mr. Walters with me. I'll contact Markham if I find out anything. Well, that's it up to date, Ellen. You've got all the facts? Yes, Vance, all of them. Can you think of anything to add to what I've dictated to Miss Deering, Mr. Walters? No... No, I can't. You've been very thorough, Vance. Ellen, when will you have those notes typed up so I can see them? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Please be sure. I'd like them in a half hour. Uh, come into my private office, will you, Mr. Walters? Uh, wait a minute, Vance. I beg your pardon? I'm not going to transcribe these notes today. I'm taking the rest of the day off. I'm sorry, Ellen. Some other day, if you like. Come along, Mr. Walters. Vance, I said I was taking the rest of the day off. I'll be back in the morning. You may take all day tomorrow if you like, but, Ellen, those notes must be transcribed now. Sorry. There is something I've got to do, but that's not it. Goodbye. Ellen, if you leave now, I'd just as soon you didn't come back to work for me. Okay. If that's the way you want it. Mr. Vance, I'm sorry you have nothing I... to do with it. I've felt this coming for quite a while. Let's get back to your wife, Mr. Walters. Who were her friends... Who might she have been with if she actually didn't go out to the Argus last night? She had few friends, Mr. Vance. Nobody she was very close to. Most of the days she spent at the track. Oh, the track, eh? Hmm. Where would she be at the racetrack if she were going there? Oh, somewhere around Ace Henderson's box. He's a bookmaker. You met him on board the Argus. Hmm. I'm going out to the racetrack this afternoon. Maybe I can pick a winner. That has nothing to do with horses. They're off. Off to a perfect stop with Dave Terry in the lead. Count Joe on the rail. Tommy Dalia in third place. Hello, Mr. Henderson. Oh, hi, Vance. Didn't know you follow the pony. I don't, generally. I got something good going in the next race, if you're interested. I'm interested, but not in races. Mrs. Walters? Come on, Joy! Come on, Joy! Yes, Mrs. Walters. I'd like to talk to you about her. Right after the race. Making up the distance, Joy, the second is dropping back. Rasputin's closing in on Dave Derry. At the three quarters, it's still Dave Derry and Rasputin. Dave Derry by three lengths, but Rasputin's closing in. Dave Derry by two lengths. One length, Rasputin is alongside as they approach. 
ropes, the finish line, it's neck and neck, nose and nose, there goes Rasputin out in front of Sparker, goes for the whip, it's Rasputin by half length, Rasputin the winner! In second place, Dave Derry, third place, Count Joe, winner's time, 1.37, next race, 20 minutes. Well, Vance, I dropped a few on that one. We won't bother, then, about the good thing you had for me in the next race. Henderson, how much did Mrs. Walters owe you? Oh, a few... Eight, ten thousand. How did she intend to pay you? That's never my problem, Vance. Isn't there some way bookmakers have of making sure that their clients do pay them? Yes, there is. What is it? What happened to Mrs. Walters? And that's the first portion of Philo Vance Detective from September 28, 1948, with the Argus murder case starring Jackson Beck. As heard on Mutual, we'll get back to that in a few moments. You know, Lisa, I met Jackson Beck once, years and years ago at a uh, radio convention. And I went up to him and I was like, wow, could I interview you? And he said, why? What's this for? I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm on college radio or something. I was on like one of the first radio right. stations right. I was ever on. And I said, I'd love to interview you. He's like... No, I, I, no, I don't really. Yeah, I don't do. Not inter- up to snuff. I don't do interviews. <laughs> you know what? If you asked me to interview me, I'd tell you the same. thing. I mean, he he just gave me the he gave me the the palm. You know. Yeah. He gave he, me the, well, a lot of people no do that thanks. to you, Carl. Yeah. Uh, yeah I shouldn't be. But surprised. I still like him though, and he's really good as Philo Vance. <laughs> yes. All right, let's take a break here, and we'll be back on the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. No matter what kind of allergy day you're having, relief can be yours with Nasacort Allergy 24-Hour. Its prescription-strength medicine effectively relieves your worst nasal allergy symptoms, including congestion, for 24 hours. <sighs> Nasacort has no harsh taste, is non-drowsy and non-addictive. Unlike Flonase, Nasacort is scent and alcohol-free. For effective nasal allergy relief, choose Nasacort. It's guaranteed relief or your money back. Details at Nasacort.com. Use as directed. Your life demands the best in hardwood floors. At Lumber Liquidators, you'll get the best quality and the best styles for less. This week, more than 30 varieties of our best-selling pre-finished hardwood are $1 off a square foot, like Golden Teak, Tobacco Road Acacia, even beautiful Bellawood, with one of the most durable finishes in the world. And get Distressed Oak $2 off, plus more deals from $0.59 cents and special financing. Get the best for less at Lumber Liquidators. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you today. Geico applaud your inner journey seeker. Geico gives a hearty pat on the back to the part of you that just wants to get out and ride your motorcycle, to take to the open road, and let the wind and bugs fly your way. In fact, bring on the bugs. They can't stop your quest for highway enlightenment. Geico insures not only your car, but also that fine-looking bike of yours with a custom-tailored policy and the best rates for you. So next time you suit up for adventure, make sure to take Geico along for the ride. Geico Motorcycle. See how much you could save. 
What are you doing? Looking for the best hotel value in America. That's easy. It's America's Best Value Inn. Really? Sure. They have over a thousand hotels across North America. Okay, that's good. They offer free Wi-Fi, continental breakfast at HBO at most locations. That's even better. And when you join their free value club, you get 15% off. Room upgrade and late checkout when available. You're right. America's Best Value Inn is the best hotel value in America. Book a room today at abvi.com. Done. Safety, safety, safety. I'm saying it three times. Studies show you need to hear something three times to remember it. So remember, safety, safety, safety is important to me, me, me. That's why I love Granger. Granger has the products to help keep our facilities safe and people safer. Say it with me, kid. Safety, safety, safety from Granger, Granger, Granger. When you think safety, think Granger. Get it? Got it? Good. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Painful shingles, cracked fingers, red, itchy, flaky skin, eczema, wounds that won't heal. The list goes on and on for irritating and painful skin conditions. Start the healing today with all-natural Epizen Skin Gel. Recommended by doctors and proven to heal skin, Epizen is guaranteed to work or your money back. Use code RADIO to get $10 off with free shipping by going to epizen.com. That's E-P-I-Z-Y-N.com. Or call toll-free 844-Z-I-N-C for us. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Let's get back to this, the adventures of Philo Vance. Coming, coming. Hello. Why, I don't think I know who you are, do I? You should. I'm Ellen Deering. I was Philo Vance's secretary. Remember me now, Mr. Walters? Oh, yes. Yes, of course I do. Well enough to ask me to come in? Don't bother. I don't need an invitation. I, I don't understand what you want with me. Don't you? Okay, then I'll tell you. I'm the only one that knows that you murdered your wife. Do you want to know how I know you murdered her? Oh, I, I, I didn't kill her. I, I haven't even seen her since she, she left here yesterday morning. Oh, no. You told the police you'd been out to the gambling ship exactly a week ago, right? Well, of course that's right. They changed the position of that ship a couple of miles every night. Yet the time when you and Vance and Markham went out there, you gave exact directions on how to reach the Argus. Now, the only way you'd have known that is if you'd been there earlier. Well, that's now, right, don't but... don't get excited. Nobody realizes that little fact except me. And... What do you want? Money. Ten thousand will do. I don't have that kind of money. Well, then go get it. Here's my apartment address. Shall we say uh, nine o'clock tonight and ten thousand dollars in cash? What time is it, Vance? A few minutes to nine. Frightened, Ellen? Yes, but I'll go through with it. You were right about Walters, of course, but uh, what happens when he gets here? I'll be in the next room. You get him to talk and tell the whole story. Take the money. Then I'll come out and take him. Well, suppose he has other ideas. Ideas that he can pay me less expensively with a bullet than with a, a bundle. What then? Don't worry, Ellen. Nothing will happen to you, I promise. Oh, listen, that's the door. And that'll be Walter's. Vance, please stay close. Hide, but stay close just in case. Don't worry, Ellen. I'll be here. Well, right on time, Mr. Walter's. Uh, come on in. Oh, no. You're coming out. 
Out here in the hall. Come on. Hey, listen, you're hurting my arm. Your apartment might have been a trap. Taking no chances. We'll talk out here in the hall. I just locked your door, and here's the key right here in my pocket. Now, come on. You can't make me. See this knife? I'll slash it across your face if you don't come. What happened to your wife? You tell me that first. She's in the cellar at my house. All dressed up in concrete. Oh. And you'll be keeping her company. Are you coming or do I use this knife? I think I, I'm coming. And this guy's going. Hey, what's oh, this? oh, Sergeant Heath. Am I glad to see you. Didn't you expect me? Oh. Didn't Vance tell you he asked me to be here in the hall in case this guy got cute? No, he didn't. And that reminds me. I've got something to say to Mr. Philo Vance. You won't be able to see a thing for a moment, Vance, now that Heath has turned the lights out. I figured that out for myself, Markham. Hmm. The FBI have done this, Vance, taken movies of an actual confession, but it's not done too often in police work. I think you're entitled to see the film, though. The film featuring Edgar Walters in his first and last starring role. Okay, Markham. Let's see and hear it. All right. Eve, let's have the film. All right. This is Edgar Walters. Of my own free will and volition, I'm confessing that I murdered my wife by going out to the gambling ship, Argus, in a small boat I had chartered the day before. I met her by arrangement, and I killed her as soon as we reached land. Her gambling was ruining me. I, I had to kill her. I don't know how anybody could have figured my actions, but Philo Vance did. That is all. All right, Heath, let's have some lights. All right, Mr. Markham. Very interesting, Markham. Very interesting explanation. Which reminds me, I've got some explaining still to do to Ellen Deering. She won't be satisfied till she knows the whole story. But then, neither was I. Well, Ellen, I know you've waited very patiently. So let's talk about the Argus murder case. It really had me puzzled for a while. I was quite certain that Mrs. Walters had been on board the Argus... But the denials of Lucky Saunders and Mr. and Mrs. Henderson threw me for a while. Why did they lie, Vance? They all had reason. Saunders would have made himself a wonderful suspect if he'd admitted that Mrs. Walters had been on board. And in addition, have given his gambling ship a bad reputation. A gambling ship a bad reputation? Well, that sounds like a reason skunks don't eat scallions, but <laughs> I'll buy it. Why did the Hendersons lie? Mrs. Henderson hated Edith Walters. And Edith Walters was welching on money she owed Ace Henderson. Both would be ready-made suspects if they told the truth. I suppose I'm dumb, but it's hard to figure out why Walters came to you in the first place. He was trying to be smart. He figured it was a perfect alibi to ask me to work on his wife's disappearance. He knew I couldn't possibly get out to the gambling ship at four in the morning. But he could, and he did. But what about that radio message that Mrs. Walters sent? Mrs. Henderson admits now that she threatened Edith Walters, that Mrs. Walters ran into the radio room and sent the message that brought us out to the Argus. And then... Then, while she was sending the message, Saunders came along, let himself into the radio room with his own key, and put his hand over Mrs. Walters' mouth. He didn't want the police out on his boat, naturally. Commonly known as Natch. Mm. Then what? Then Saunders talked Mrs. Henderson out of any desire for personal revenge against Edith Walters, and saw to it that Mrs. Walters got to her cabin. 
But she had arranged with her husband to meet him, as we know, and she rode with him to the shore and her death. It was a very clever plan, Walter said. There's a moral in this somewhere, something about wives, not gambling. Or playing around with gamblers. <laughs> that was the beginning of Mrs. Walter's trouble. Yes, I suppose it was. And this is the end of the Argus murder case. <laughs> I'm Carl Amare, and you're Lisa Wolf, and you're Mike Costella, and our listening audience is Coast to Coast. We have Our Miss Brooks. It was a situation comedy show heard on radio, seen on television, and uh, in films. It starred Hollywood film and New York stage veteran Eve Arden. She played Connie Brooks, English teacher at fictional Madison High School. Okay, let's tune this in. Part one now of Our Miss Brooks. Palm Olive Soap, your beauty hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, dream girl hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, enjoyed her vacation during the holidays just as much as any other teacher. But as it drew to a close, she had a peculiar reaction. Although I felt that my vacation had done me a lot of good, now that it was over, I was keyed up and enthusiastic, simply raring to go. Raring to go on another two weeks' vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I went about the business of getting used to working again and spent the past week noticing conditions which hadn't seemed so deplorable during the hustle and bustle of holiday time at the school. I was telling my landlady, Mrs. Davis, about them while we were having breakfast Friday morning. Let me pour you a cup of this coffee, Connie. It's Rio de Janeiro style. I just got the recipe. Rio de Janeiro style? Yes. I mashed up a few Brazil nuts and mixed them with the coffee grounds. (laughs) That's one reason why the blonde hair of a Brazilian is so outstanding. But Mrs. Davis, very few Brazilians have blonde hair. That's another reason it's so outstanding. But I'm afraid I've interrupted something you started to say to me, Connie. Oh, it wasn't very important. I had just said that I, I... really shouldn't do that. It's a habit I picked up from my brother, Victor. He's terribly absent-minded. I thought your sister Angela was the absent-minded one in the family. Angela? Yes, that's what you told me. What did I tell you? <laughs> that she was very absent-minded. Who? <laughs> your brother, Victor. Now, how did you know that? You never even met Victor. (laughs) But he is confused sometimes, poor dear. Why, you could be talking about something to Victor, and he'd seem as interested as could be in the conversation. But then if you just looked away for a moment, it could be right in the middle of a sentence that... Yes, Mrs. Davis? Mrs. Davis? Yoo-hoo, Mrs. Davis! Oh, Oh, good morning, Connie. I was just looking for the cat out in the kitchen. She hadn't touched her milk. What do you hear from Victor? Victor? Oh, my brother. Oh, he's fine, thank you, dear. He calls me quite regularly. My sister Angela's the one that worries me. She's the absent-minded member of the family. (laughs) But I keep feeling that I disrupted your train of thought. Did I, Connie? There's not a car left on the tracks but the caboose. I was merely telling you, Mrs. Davis, that I never realized how bad conditions were at school until this cold spell set in. 
Why, my classroom is so drafty that half my pupils can't answer questions because their teeth are chattering. <laughs> that must be awful. Young people have such loud teeth. <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes my room sounds like a dice game on a tin roof. <laughs> Have you talked to the principal about it? Not yet, but I'm going to today. He's just got to get the Board of Education to allot us a bigger budget for coal. Well, I wish you luck, dear. Is uh, Walter Denton picking you up this morning? Yes, Mrs. Davis. Oh, good. Connie, I'd like to apologize again for interrupting you before. As I say, I've been a little worried about my eccentric brother, Victor. Before you go, though... Yes? Goodbye, Connie. Goodbye, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> By the way, Mrs. Yes, Connie. I... Why, she's gone. Poor thing. She's been under a terrible strain lately. I'm glad you picked me up early, Walter. I've got to stop in and see Mr. Conklin before my first class. Oh, golly, Miss Brooks, there must be some pleasanter way to start off a Friday morning for a perfectly nice English teacher. Yes, there must be. Oh, it isn't that I don't respect Mr. Conklin. It's just that, well, there's something about you, Miss Brooks. It, well, before the hallowed walls of our beloved Madison High heaves into view, I want you to know that... Just a minute, Walter. Would you mind taking that sentence again a little slower? I nearly exclaimed, before the hallowed walls of our beloved Madison High heaves into view... That's what I, I thought you explained. <laughs> Anything wrong, Miss Brooks? Well, frankly, Walter, I'd hesitate to correct that sentence without stopping at Teachers College for a refresher course. But uh, what do you mean by heaves into view? Well, every so often you read about a ship that hove into view, don't you? Yes. Well, hove must be the past tense, mustn't it? Heave, haved, hove, isn't it? <laughs> oh, of course not, Walter. Heave, heave, haved, uh, heave, haved. What do you want me to know before Madison High heaves into view? That you command as much respect as Mr. Conklin, plus the admiration of the entire student body, and that your personal warmth and charm is only exceeded by your excellence in your chosen field of instruction. Ain't it the truth? <laughs> I don't want to seem unduly inquisitive, Walter, but to what do I owe this verbal plaque? Nothing. It's just a natural reaction, a completely spontaneous and unrehearsed. And what did you get from our sponsor when you were selected as a contestant? A pen and pencil set that's guaranteed... Oh, no, it's not fair. <laughs> no, I'm being completely sincere and have no ulterior motive whatsoever. Then, thank you, Walter. No, that's okay. Miss Brooks? Yes? Would you do me a favor? If I say no, you'll take back the plaque. Hmm? Well, what is it? Well, it's a basketball team. As you know, I'm the new manager, so it's it's up to me to see Mr. Conklin about getting some things that we need immediately. And? And it's up to you to see Mr. Conklin for me, because I'm rarely up to seeing Mr. Conklin. It, what I mean is that we've just got to get some more trunks. Where are you going? Oh, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, we need stuff for the guys to put on while they're playing. You see, right now, every time we send in a substitute, he has to take a blanket along with him and change trunks with a fellow he's replacing. <laughs> About ten pairs should do fine. Ten pairs? Why don't you just get a larger blanket? <laughs> oh, no, this is serious, Miss Brooks. 
Oh, another thing you've got to talk to Mr. Conklin about for me is the temperature in the gym. It's so cold in there, a good humor man has to referee the game. <laughs> of course, I'm exaggerating, Miss Brooks. I know, Walter, but uh, A, just what do you want me to ask, Mr. Conklin? And B, why should it be me instead of you? Well, A, to requisition $100 worth of equipment for the basketball team from the school board, and B, because you're older and carry more weight. <laughs> and C, if we were driving in my car, you'd be walking by now. Well, you don't understand, Miss Brooks. I'm not trying to shirk my duties, but well, this is a legitimate beef. Let me put it this way. In the stockyards, when they want the sheep to run a certain way, they don't send a little lamb out to guide them. They send an old goat. <laughs> I mean, you, you've seen it in the newsreels, I'm sure, where they, the goat and the... Gosh, I hope you're not mad, Miss Brooks. Oh, forget it, Walter. Why should I be mad? <laughs> then you'll do it? You'll ask Mr. Conklin for me? I'll do my best. Now, you'd better start putting on your brakes. My brakes? Yes, the hallowed walls are hiving into view. <laughs> Brooks, if you will kindly disembark, I'll find a place to park and then return for a joust with the forces of education. If I was a gambler, Walter, I'd bet on you to place. <laughs> oh, there's Harriet Conklin. I think I'll ask her what kind of a mood her father's in. Okay, Miss Brooks. I'll see you later. Just a minute, Harriet. I'd, I'd like to talk to you. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks. I'm glad we ran into each other. Same here. Harriet, did you have breakfast with your father this morning? Yes, I did. How was he? His temper, I mean. Pretty good, Miss Brooks, until Mother showed him some of the bills that had come in. Then what did he do? Nothing unusual. He just slammed down his paper, bit through his coffee cup, and left. <laughs> could have been worse. Sure, he could have bitten your mother. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I'm glad we ran into each other. Miss Brooks, did I ever tell you what an unending source of inspiration you are? Oh, I must end somewhere. <laughs> I mean it, Miss Brooks. You're more than just an excellent instructor of English. You're... you're... I'm the patsy who's going to face your father with one of your problems. Huh? <laughs> All this in psychic, too. How did you know I wanted you to talk to Daddy for me, Miss Brooks? Well, why should you be an exception, Harriet? What's your beef? Uh, complaint. <laughs> the domestic science room. It's like a deep freeze. That room, too? It's so cold that most of us wear gloves all during the class. Makes it very awkward, Miss Brooks. Especially when we're trying to use the sewing machine. It sounds pretty bad. Bad? It's terrible. Yesterday, Bessie Snyder sewed five of her fingers together. <laughs> oh, what's so terrible about that? Gives you an extra ladle for the cooking class. <laughs> it broke the sewing machine, and we need $200 for a new one. Oh, but Harriet... Miss Brooks, it's up to you to make conditions in this school livable. For you, you mean. I'd better be armed with plenty of facts before I face your father, though. I think I'll make a survey of the rest of the rooms. Starting with Mr. Boynton's biology laboratory? Now who's psychic? <laughs> yes, Harriet, I think I'll interview the shy master of the microbes. I've been in there, Miss Brooks. It's even colder than the other rooms. I hope you can do something about it. I should be able to, with the experience I've had. Well, what do you mean, Miss Brooks? I've been trying to thaw Mr. Boynton out for years. LAUGHTER 
And that's the first portion of Our Miss Brooks from January 9th, 1949, with Poor Heat starring Eve Arden, also in the cast. A terrific cast on these shows. You heard Gail Gordon, Jeff Chandler, Richard Crenna, Gloria McMillan, and Jane Morgan. Bob Lamont doing the announcing, and uh, that's the first portion. We'll have part two of Our Miss Brooks, along with The Lives of Harry Lyme, on our next Hollywood 360 radio episode. But let's first take a commercial break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Lisa, we have Maureen Kelly, licensed esthetician, with us on the phone line. And uh, we talk to Maureen every once in a while about a terrific product that we endorse here and we believe in called Epizen. And, uh, folks, you can check it out at epizen.com. Hello, Maureen. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing terrific. Tell us a little bit about Epizen, just in case some of our listeners don't know about it. Okay. Well, Epizen is a pharmaceutical-grade, all-natural zinc gluconate topical that works within the skin cells to help heal many different skin ailments. And gloss over some of those ailments. So so people that are suffering from that, they'll know that this is a product for them. Um, it can treat anything from wounds, sores, cuts, shingles, diaper rash, eczema, psoriasis. Maureen, it sounds almost too good to be true. Tell us how Epizen works. Epizen um, it was formulated to work on a cellular level. And by that, I'm meaning it works within the skin cells to help healing and be more bioavailable for that healing. So it actually just penetrates deeper down into your skin than many other products on the market that just sit on top of your skin. This is a, this is a, this product is fantastic, and you know what? You don't have to take our word for it, folks. You can try this product absolutely risk-free, right, Lisa? Yes. You can go to the website for more information, which is epizyn.com. That's E-P-I-Z-Y-N.com. You can enter promo code RADIO. That will give you $10 off and free shipping uh, because we're so sure that you're you're going to appreciate this product as much as we all do, that we really, really want you to give it a try, completely risk-free. If it doesn't work for you, no problem. Send it back, full money-back guarantee. Right. Thanks, Maureen. We'll have you back on next hour talk about uh, more of uh, this miracle product called Epizen. Next time, we'll have the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks from 1949. Then Orson Welles stars as Harry Lyme in The Lives of Harry Lyme from 1951. Lisa, will you be back for our next show? I will definitely be back. We hope our whole audience will be back as well. We'll see you next time.